Our scripture reading this morning is coming from Proverbs chapter 3. I'll start reading at verse 1 and uh, go through verse 12. Be reading from the NIV version. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, you can uh, read from there. You can uh, grab a pew Bible in front of you, or you can look on your little smart doohickey. If you look in the, the Bible, it's on page 665. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And also, if, if there are, is anyone here who uh, is a guest and wouldn't mind filling uh, one of these cards out and get it back to us, the Connect card. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. You ever have one of those days where you uh, don't remember to do stuff, like uh, put on your microphone? And uh, <laughs> I'm going to try and stand still today rather than put you through watching me put it on. So uh, we'll just use this one. That'll be fine. It'll shake me up a little bit. And I probably should stay a little less animated today anyway because... Uh, today's kind of one of my soapboxes. <laughs> We're going to be talking about uh, the family some more, heaven on earth, a vision for the family. And, you know, when Julie and I became parents, uh, one of the things that we had really been looking forward to and we were excited about, especially Julie, because uh, she had an early childhood development background and, and uh, she knew about all the children's books that were out there and we were looking forward to reading to our kids, you know, reading books. And so uh, we bought a bunch of books that we already knew about and we had people give us books that we didn't know about. And, and so, you know, in Hadley, um, was little, we started reading books a lot. And then we started, as she got older and was into it, you know, we'd go to the library and pick up a bunch of books and, and read them. And, and we've been shocked at how many, especially of the newer books that are out there, depict children in open disobedience to their parents with no consequences like children's books <laughs> I'm like as if my child needs help <laughs> with ideas on how to disobey let's put it in a book and hand it to them and just you know let them hey have you tried this you know gets the parents every time <laughs> I don't get it 
I don't get award-winning books we would bring home and we'd be like, okay, I guess we'll take this back. Or give it away. I don't, I don't know. And, and some of the books, you know, we just kind of change a few words here and there and pretend, you know, that they're really, you know, not being as bad as they are. Other books, uh, there's this one uh, that I just, I just talked to Hadley about it. We, it's a short story and a collection that I like. And so when we get to that one, it's about this little bear. And uh, the parent figure in the book says, come on, little bear, it's time for bed. You know, and the little bear says, I'm not tired. <laughs> And he runs and hides. And then the little parent figure says, Oh, please, little bear, won't you come to bed? And he says, I'm not tired. And this goes on back and forth until finally he falls asleep hiding somewhere. And they go and lay him in bed. And he's snoring. Isn't that so cute? And I, I said to Hadley, I said, That poor bear. His mom and daddy didn't teach him to be a good listener. They didn't teach them to obey, did they? I said, what would happen in your house if you did that? <laughs> said, I'd be in trouble. So, you know, it's just surprising because, I mean, we believe as Christians that since the fall of man at the beginning, we've had an obedience problem, right? We Human beings, we don't need help since then figuring out how to disobey. We are in open rebellion against our creator, have been since then. And so any kind of authority figure, you know, we, we talked last week about God being the supreme authority and we're in this series where we're, we're trying to get, we're trying to get to where uh, we're seeing heaven on earth, where our families are a reflection of the way God's kingdom works. And so that's, that's our goal. That's our aim is, is if God is an ultimate authority, we want to show our kids that he is our ultimate authority. And we want to teach them how ultimate authority works and so forth. And so we're kind of just taking that a step further this week. And we're talking about radical obedience. And then uh, we'll take it a step further. We'll move on to some other territories in, in the weeks to come with other aspects of the family life and, and how to do that in a way that reflects heaven on earth. But definitely when you look around at our culture, uh, discipline is not the norm anymore. It, it, maybe it was too far the norm at one point. Maybe parents were too firm. I don't know. But it, definitely not the case today, right? Uh, just... If you are involved with public school life at all, you know this well. If you're an educator uh, in any sense, then you know this well. Because if you've been around for a while, you've seen the shift, right? You've seen it over the decades. Uh, my parents were teachers for a long time. And so just the changes that they experienced while they were teaching uh, were amazing. Not only do the kids come to school not knowing how to obey and understanding how to respect authority, but, uh, but then teachers and administrators' hands are increasingly tied by a government and culture who says, you can't discipline my child. You know, that's my job. Well, you're not doing it. Well, too bad. <laughs> you know, I don't, it's, it's this interesting thing we're in in our culture right now. And, you know, for those of us who are fighting this battle of trying to discipline our kids, it's hard because the people that we hang out with sometimes have kids that are on a different, you know, held to a different standard or whatever, and you're fighting against that uh, in your own families, right? One sibling is 
doing their, raising their kids one way and other siblings raising their kids another way and you're trying to work that out and how does this work and, and I mean it's, you send them to school and they pick up new habits and then you get to try and break those at home right uh, you know it's just that's the world we live in today and it's not popular to discipline your child even blogs that you know Julie ran across some blog the other day it wasn't a bad blog it was, talk, it was a mom talking about her kids and how you know she sometimes gets on to them too much for something that she shouldn't have or whatever and I'm like we don't need more blogs like that today <laughs> everyone feels enough guilt for for that stuff and everyone's having a hard enough time disciplining their kids we need blogs that say go get them tiger you get <laughs> you can do it uh, we need encouragement to say you know you you are not in this battle alone there's others of us that are trying to do this and so Anyway, before I get any further into this message, let's just look at the scripture that we read a few moments ago that came from the book of Proverbs, which is a collection of wisdom sayings, really old ones, about 3,000 years old. Most are attributed to a guy named King Solomon, who famously asked God if he would bless him with wisdom to rule his people. And God said, that's a really good thing to ask for. And God did bless him with that. And so there's lots of famous stories about King Solomon. But he wrote a lot of these proverbs or wisdom sayings from the Jewish culture. And we find these collected for us in the book of Proverbs found in our Old Testament right next door to Psalms. If you're looking for it. And this particular chapter, the third chapter, contains one of my favorite verses. Uh, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him or acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. We're not going to get slides today, apparently. Not from me. So, <laughs> if anyone else is working, you can change the slides for me. But Okay. So trust God. I love that verse. We just shared that verse with, um, with our youth on, on, on last Wednesday night. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your paths straight. I memorized that a long time ago because my grandmother put that on a little calendar she made that had like for each day kind of a devotional. And uh, that one was on my birthday. So every year on my birthday, that was like my verse. And then another one of my cousins tried to claim that verse. Apparently she gave it to them too. I don't know. I said, it's mine. I'm the oldest. Uh, But that kind of echoes that idea of God as the supreme authority, right? That he is above all and over all. He knows best. So we trust him. We submit to him. And when we do that, he makes our paths straight. Jesus picked up on a lot of the same themes of the Proverbs. You know, the Proverbs' main theme is about wisdom versus folly. And this is saying it's wisdom to trust the Lord. It's wisdom to submit to Him in all His ways. Jesus would say things like, It's wisdom if you hear my words and obey them. It's folly if you don't. And so, really, He was pulling from that theme that, that the Jewish people would have known well in his day from the book of Proverbs. And I love this chapter 3 because it does exactly what we're doing in this series. See, in this series we're trying to tie together what, how God's kingdom works 
and how God works when he's in charge and then how our families ought to work you know or our personal lives ought to work if you don't have kids at home or whatever the person you have most influence over is yourself so you make sure that you're reflecting heaven on earth but if you do have kids at home or grandkids or nieces or nephews or someone that you're able to have influence on then this is also for you and and Solomon says he talks about the way God treats us and disciplines us and then how our kids ought to obey us just as we ought to obey God. And this is, that, this is exactly what we're about in this series of as in heaven, so on earth. We want to reflect heaven onto earth. And that's what Solomon's saying here too when he says things like, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. He says, first, submit to God. Second, do what I tell you. (laughs) And if you'll do that, it'll prolong your life. It'll make your life better. In other spots in this chapter, he talks about it'll help you with bodily health and material prosperity if you're obedient. You know, he didn't pull this out of thin air. When God raised up a people, Israel, he gave them some basic commands, right? Basic commands to say, here's how to live as my people. Ten commandments, we call it. And one of those was, honor or obey your, what? Yeah, your mother and your father, your father and your mother, your parents, however however you just said it, good job. So, Uh, honor your father and mother and the apostle Paul pointed out in the New Testament looking back to those ten commandments that that was the first command God gave that came with a promise that if you would do that it will go well for you (laughs) that if you will do that you will enjoy longer better life It's a command with a promise. And Solomon picks up on that promise in this and says, Son, if you'll obey me, your life will go better. So our big point today is that the greater the obedience, the greater the life. So if you've got a note card and you want to fill in the blanks, that's it for today. The greater the obedience, the greater the life. The greater the obedience, the greater the life. And this runs counter to our nature and our common sense in our world. The greater the obedience, the greater the life. We, uh, we don't think so, if we're honest. Now, in a, in a rational moment, yes, we might say, okay, maybe. But, day to day, when, when an authority figure says, like a parent, says, here's what you need to do, and we don't agree, what do we think makes our life better? <laughs> My way, right? My way makes my life better. I can see clearly how this is going to be better. You don't know what you're talking about. So I'm going to do it. But the parent knows, don't they? God knows, doesn't he? That if you'll obey me, it'll go better for you. Despite what you think in the moment, despite what you think right now, if you'll obey me, it'll go better for you. Why? Because as we say all the time, God does not make these rules up just for fun. 
Just because these are the things that will make him happy. Just because it will please him to watch you not having any fun in your life. I don't think so. Just like a parent doesn't make up rules just to make their child miserable no matter what their teenager says or thinks. Right? Dad does not say, don't jump off the roof because he doesn't want you to have any fun. He wants to preserve your bodily health <laughs> for, for your future days. Right? <laughs> Mom does not say, don't put that in your mouth because she wants to eat it later when you're not looking. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She knows that that's not good for your health. Dad doesn't say, don't wear that out in public because he just wants to punish you and make you look like uh, you know, some kind of nerdy prude or something. No. He understands how guys' minds work better than you do and better than your mama does. So when he says, don't wear that outside, it's not just for his kicks, but for your good. And when mom says, no, you can't stay out that late, or no, you can't hang out with those people, she's not just being a jerk, but looking out for your best interest. Now, I'm not saying that mom and dad always get it perfect like God does. We're not perfect. But God seems to think we do a good enough job of looking out for the best interest of our kids that they should obey us anyway. <laughs> and that it will, in fact, go better for them if they do. Now, of course, kids treat their parents just the way we often treat God. And even though God says this is how we do it, everyone around us seems to think that there's a better way to do it. And we start thinking, well, maybe I want to do it that way. No matter what, God, maybe God didn't really mean it that way. Maybe you meant something else. Maybe it's not that big a deal. And so we do something different. And our kids do the same thing to us. They say, well, all my friends are doing this. Maybe I want to do this. Maybe this would be better. This definitely seems like it would be more fun than doing that. But the parent knows, just as God knows, that the greater the obedience, the greater the life. Oftentimes we think freedom is found outside of obedience, outside of authority. When in fact, the greatest freedom is found in obedience and under authority because the things that will enslave you the most and destroy your life are found outside of obedience to God's will. And the things that will make your parents lock you down the most <laughs> is staying outside of God, outside of their will, right? The greatest freedom is found in obedience. We know this because every kid who's made that choice, maybe not every kid, most kids who've made that choice to obey their parents consistently find that their parents trust them. And they give them more freedom, don't they? The greater the obedience the greater the life. But we don't always know this, and so that's where discipline comes in. We don't always, when we're kids, or you know, in our relationship to God, we don't always get that. And so it has to be taught. And so that's where discipline comes in. And watch what Solomon said in verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline 
and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. You see how he ties it together? Heaven on earth. That's what we're talking about. Just as God disciplines those he loves, I'm going to discipline you. Just as I'm going to discipline you, the Father is going to discipline us as well. And notice, and this is, it'll hit you in the gut if you're not careful. (laughs) He says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. And if we as parents choose not to discipline our children, that is not love. It cannot be love when it means a lesser life. If greater obedience means a greater life, then the opposite is also true, right? Lesser obedience leads to a lesser life, quality of life. So if we truly love our children, we will discipline them. Have you ever met you know, someone or maybe you've been that person that like they discipline their, their boys really well but then that little girl has got them wrapped around their finger. <laughs> Ever heard people say something like that? And I've heard the opposite too. That, uh, you know, they'll, I've seen families that, you know, that discipline their girls. You know, their the girls are, are, you know, doing great and then along comes a little boy. He's the last one. He's their pride and joy. He's, a, he's the boy. I can't get on to him. He's my boy. Like that's some sort of excuse to love him less? To want a lesser life for him than you wanted for your other kids who you were willing to discipline even though it hurt? If we want a greater life for our kids, we should expect greater obedience out of them. This isn't me standing up here on my soapbox because I have it all figured out and that I have, you know, these... I've been blessed with kids that are naturally inclined in this direction so it makes my life easier and I still blow it sometimes both ways sometimes I'm too strict when I shouldn't be and sometimes I'm not strict enough when I should be but I'm trying and the reason I'm trying is because when I read God's word I'm surprised at how much it talks about this I mean just read through the entire book of Proverbs sometimes this is not something that just comes up in chapter 3 over and over, you'd be surprised how many times it talks about disciplining your children for their good. That it is wisdom to discipline your children and folly not to. It comes up again and again. And not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says, children, obey your parents. But he also says, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. And especially, you know, it it varies a lot from family to family in our culture. I suspect it did back then as well. But overwhelmingly in Paul's day, dads ruled the roost. It was a very paternalistic culture. And a lot of them were very domineering and probably oppressive. Probably even abusive in some cases. And the Apostle Paul felt the need to say, yes, expect obedience out of your children. Yes, train them upright. But don't go overboard. (laughs) If you go overboard, it can backfire on you, right? In our culture, we don't have the same problem. Now, some families might. But by and large, our culture has more or less moved dads out of the parenting role and moms into it. I don't know if you've noticed this. It's evident in a lot of different ways in our culture. 
it's, it's mom's word that counts on anything parenting, by and large. Uh, I mean, if moms, you have to do something really bad to lose custody of your kids, don't you? Because we value a mom's input into her kid's life very highly in this culture. And that's not a bad thing. That's common sense. We should. Moms obviously care deeply about their kids and they're wired in a special way by God to be uniquely, I mean they have parenting intuitions that are different from a guy's, from a dad's in many cases. Our culture has recognized this and we've made some adjustments accordingly. However, I think it's foolish to think that the parental instincts that God put into fathers are somehow lesser in importance in that child's life than the ones he put into that mother. Families were designed to have a mom and a dad, and they're different. One's not better than the other, but they are different from one another. We're wired in different ways. Can I get an amen? (laughs) All right, we are. And our kids do best. This is not like me just pulling Bible stuff out at you. I mean, studies show that kids do best when they have a mother and a father. That kids' reading scores go up when a dad is reading to them at home. They don't know why that is. But studies have shown it, and a whole host of other things. And so, I mention this because... A lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, dads are wired as a, I mean, they just have instincts on this discipline stuff. And when we've kicked dads out as a culture, hello. So we need to get dads back in. So I want to say to dads, fight for your right to parent your kids your way. Because your kid's worth it. And the greater obedience, the greater the life. Your kid needs you plugged in as well. So fight for your right to use your parenting instincts as well. And moms, if you have a guy figure in your life, that your kids look up to as a parent, whether it is a parent or not, ask them to get involved. It'll make your life easier (laughs) when you've got a a partner in this thing. So many single moms out there, and we pray for them, don't we? Because that's hard. So many single moms doing a great job, but it's so hard. It's an uphill battle to fight when you're alone in that fight in the culture that we live in today especially. So if you've got a guy like that, go and ask them to step it up. (laughs) To step into that role. And be, well you know how to communicate with a guy, right? We don't always get hints. (laughs) So don't beat around the bush. Tell us straight up, you need us in the fight. You need us engaged. You need us helping with this whole obedience thing and this discipline thing. How does this work out? The greater the obedience, the greater the life. 
How does this play out in our actual homes and lives? If we're going to do this, just a couple of observations. I think one, we as parents have to be ready to count the cost. To suffer the consequences. We're going to have to suffer consequences of choosing to discipline. What do I mean by that? Our enemy doesn't want us to discipline. That leads to a better life. He doesn't want a better life for us or our kids. So there's going to be consequences. Some of those may be from your kid, especially if you decide to ramp up your uh, discipline game later in their teenage years. <laughs> Buckle in, right? Because if you, if you start in the middle and you, and you decide, hey, I'm going to... But that doesn't mean it's not worth it. And your relationship may suffer for a season and come out better for it in the long run. But not just from our kids, not just backlash from our kids, we'll receive backlash from other parents and from culture around us when we draw lines in the sand and choose to discipline our kids the way we think God wants us to because it's not popular. And I don't know all the reasons, you know, if they think they're looking out for our best interest or if they think they're looking out for your kid's best interest or if they just feel a little bit of guilt when someone else is disciplining in a way that they're not and so they lash out about it. But, like, I've got an aunt who said, no smartphone for you, kiddo. <laughs> and uh, her kid got in, in middle school and that was their choice as a family. But she was getting more flack from parents than her kids were getting from their friends, right? Because parents didn't, why, why aren't you like, you know, I mean, just, I don't know if it was a guilt thing or what, but I've, I've heard that talked about from other parents. I'm not there yet and don't look forward to it. But that in the, especially those teenage years, a lot of times you're going to suffer consequences from other people who don't think you're parenting right when you choose to discipline Also, your kids are going to have to suffer the consequences. And what I mean by that is they're going to have to feel consequences for their actions. It says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. And one of the ways that in scripture is most frequently talked about with God disciplining us is not shooting lightning down from heaven, right? But letting us suffer the consequences of our own actions. In Romans 1, it talks about the wrath of God being poured out against everyone who openly disobeys him. And he said, it keeps saying things like he turned them over to their desires. You might call that natural consequences. Look me up when you need some help, when you're ready for it. But in the meantime, it's going to hurt because you made this choice. And so, as parents, we have to find out what are the right consequences for the right action. And that's a constant, that's an art, not a science, right? We're constantly up because they always come up with something that you weren't ready for. <laughs> so then you sit down and say, what are we going to do about this? And you try to find some kind of consequence that's going to hit home to them. Oh, if I do that, this happens. And the more natural consequences you can come up with, the better. I'm not going to stand up here today and preach against corporal punishment or for it. <laughs> There's 
I, to me, it's kind of that's aside, beside the point because there are parents who have been firm disciplinarians with it and without it. I would give just two warnings though. If you choose to go without it, it's going to be hard sometimes. I think a little bit of a harder challenge to stay consistent and firm. So make a commitment to do that. And if you decide to go with it, warning to you would be, be careful. Is if you're not careful and you discipline when you're not in self-control or you discipline in anger rather than in love where your kids can tell that from you it can backfire on you and, and you know studies have been done on all that stuff too but whatever methods you choose choose discipline choose to have high expectations for your kids obedience level because the greater the obedience the greater the life if you disagree with anything I've said today that's fine but please don't disagree with that. The greater the obedience, the greater the life. Because I didn't make that one up. That's straight out of scripture. Time and again. Jesus said it. The apostles said it. God said it. The whole book of Proverbs, which is about wisdom, says it. So if you follow Jesus, if you love the Lord... And you need to believe it. That the greater the obedience, the greater the life. So it's a little bit of a challenge for us today. I want to share in closing just two quick stories. Uh, there was a, a, it's a, a downer and then an upper. Okay, so <laughs> just do, I'm just warning you because the first one's kind of depressing. So we won't end on a sad note. Greg was a single dad with three daughters. His oldest was a teenager. All of her friends, the circle that she ran in, would have parties at their parents' house. And their parents would let them have parties at their house with drinking and all that as long as they gave the parents their keys. So that they knew they weren't going to be driving anywhere. And so the daughter was under a lot of pressure to go to these parties. That was her circle of friends. Greg was feeling pressure from the other parents. That's what I'm saying. These are true stories. Um, it, so that kind of thing is out there. You'll get pressure from other parents and all that. And so he didn't feel like he could say no. He didn't want his daughter to be an outcast at school. So he let her go. And at one of these parties, uh, a guy came on to her. She said no. Later, you know, later when more drinking has happened and all that, uh, the guy cornered her in a private area and uh, w tried to go too far. And he, Greg found out about this months later after damage had already been done uh, emotional and all that and of course by then it was too late for him to have said no when he should have said no our job as parents is not to do is not to be our kid's friend right it's not to uh, figure out you know, how we can make them happy now our job is to do what they can't do yet, which is to look ahead in their life and say what's best for them and to demand obedience because it leads to a greater life. And he should have loved her well enough to say no. Another story. Uh, John Denny is a long snapper for the Miami Dolphins. 
And he grew up in a home with a lot of discipline. In fact, he kind of grew up in a bubble. And he said, honestly, I never realized that people spoke crudely until I graduated from college. I don't know how he escaped this, but and came to the NFL locker rooms. And apparently it was an eye-opener. He said, I know it's hard to believe, but I didn't. He said, my parents were incredibly respectful to us kids and to one another, and their friends were the same way. And I went off to college at Brigham Young, and they treated each other the same way. And so they asked him, you know, do you feel like your parents kind of raised you in a bubble? And he said, yeah, but it was a great one. (laughs) I knew what was expected of me, and I knew what my parents expected of themselves. He said they were consistent in what they expected and modeled in their own lives. And now he's striving to pass that heritage on to his family. A couple things in closing from that. One, we can't call our kids to obey when we aren't willing to obey God ourselves. They'll see what we model louder than what we require of them, right? So we have to be willing to do that. And second, if you choose this path, in spite of our cultures going a different direction, you will set your kids up for success and their kids up for success and their kids up for success. You give your whole family tree a better shot. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for disciplining us. We confess our tendency to rebellion. Holy Spirit, help us to consistently discipline in a way that will set our children up for the kind of quality of life that you want for them. And help us to live as examples in our obedience to you. Amen.